Welcome to Engaging Parenting, the Bridgeway podcast on parenting kids and teens. We're here to talk specifically about the glorious and terrifying work of parenting teenagers in our culture, why being spiritually and culturally informed is essential, and discussing practical tips on how you can parent confidently and watch your teenagers thrive. My name is Pastor Cliff, and um, Pastor Matt is not with us today, but we have some exciting guests here on the podcast. Um, Keith and Susan Ritchie. You guys are in charge of the parenting ministry here at Bridgeway, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, And so we're so excited to have you here on our parenting podcast because you guys deal with this so often. Um, But before we get started on our topic today, I do want to ask you guys this question. What have you found in all of your years of parenting? Because both Keith and Susan have three of their kids in my ministry, and it's awesome. I love it so much. Um, But what have you found to be the toughest part of parenting a teenager? I'll suggest something. I, I think for us, it's just the emotional um, difficulty and investment that we have to make into your, into our teen kids. It takes yeah. time. You know, when the kids are young, you're, you're, you're physically tired. It's physically demanding carrying kids mm-hmm. and gear. But when kids move into the teen years, it's, it's the time you spend having conversations and just their their emotional state and and trying to meet them where they're at and spending the time necessary to connect with them. Uh, and uh, it takes a lot of time and it can be draining. Yeah, totally. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that's really good. And uh, today's uh, topic that we're going to be addressing is this idea of preserving the relationship. Now, both um, Keith and Susan, you guys have really addressed this in multiple areas in your kind of ministry here at Bridgeway. Um, But I've never really heard this idea of preserving the relationship before. What's so important about this word preserving within our relationships with our teens? Well, first of all, preserving suggests that that you've established a relationship with your kids and and that you've made some significant investments in them during, during their younger years. And Preserving the relationship, really, it, from from our perspective, it, it's really about um, as they move into the teen years, you're in a place where they can come to you, that they think of you, that they approach yeah. you, they want your input, they want your opinion, and and as their decisions become more important, yeah, as they have more freedoms, you want to be a place where. Uh, conversations can happen about what's happening in their lives, and if you haven't made investments in their in their lives in the younger years and and moving up into those teen years, that can be a difficult thing for them. They they may not think of you as the first person to talk to, but you want to be that person as a parent, and and that's really what preserving the relationship is all about. Yeah, that's really good. So if you're listening to this podcast and not only do you you might have a teenager but also maybe a younger one, this this is this is a very important podcast episode to listen to because this is way more than just preserving your relationship as they're a teenager but also starting to preserve your relationship when they're younger. That that is so good. Um and and Susan, do you have any specific thoughts on that as well? Well, a lot of the um the relationship starts when they are small. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in our classes, we always say it's, you have to be invested at where your children are and enjoy what they're doing. So, for instance, we would say, you know, when you're younger, you don't think that Legos are a big deal mm-hmm. as a parent. But yeah. for that child, 
if that's what they're into, Legos are a big deal. And if they're coming to you and wanting you to get involved in their life where they're at with their Legos and you're telling them, oh, I don't have time for that and I'm pushing them off. Mm. What's happening is you're already setting the course for what it's going to be like when they're in junior high and high school. They're mm. saying, mom and dad don't have time for me. So therefore, I'm not going to bring what I what's important to me to you. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. See, I had kind of the opposite thing when I was younger. I didn't like Legos. And my mom still to this day is very upset with me because I didn't like Legos. And she loved, she wanted to have a son so that she could have play Legos with her son, but she never got that with me. Yeah. So no, but that's really good. Like paying attention to what your 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 kids are are proud of and the things that they love to do and be a part of that. That's really good. Um, but in this kind of preserving the relationship with your teenager, how do you establish um, family identity? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, it's a great one. Really important. So family identity is really in simple terms. It's what's your family about? What are the things that uh, are important to you? What do you like to do together? And one of the most valuable ways to establish family identity is through traditions and doing things that your kids look forward to. And, and holidays are obviously an obvious opportunity to do that. And we have many traditions for Thanksgiving and Christmas mm-hmm. and other, other times of the year, 4th of July. Uh, but it can be even simpler traditions. Just what are your, what are your norms around dinner time, and what do you talk about and um, how do you, how do you engage in a conversation about how your day went? Yeah. Uh, those little things can just be, um, daily activities that become traditions that your kids look forward to or expect and anticipate. Um, another simple little thing that, that we do is, is we're a hugging family. Uh, we, part of our family identity is when the family gets up in the morning, we, you know, we're, we're greeting everyone with a hug and it's just one little thing that we're about as a family. So, uh, it's things like that that create a sense of investment, a sense of belonging, yeah. a sense of, uh, hey, we're we're looking forward to something together. Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. That each family has some sort of specific identity. They have different things that yeah. they do when they wake up. When I went to bed when I was younger, yeah. I had a prayer that I always prayed. Mm-hmm. It was very specific. So yeah, that's yeah, that's that's really good. I, I love that. Um, Keith, I know this is something that you you have talked to me about, but um, can you can you talk to me about this idea of context with your teen as far as how do you parent them in their specific context? Yeah, well, while we're wanting to hold our kids to certain standards, uh, we also need to recognize the context of the moment, situations. How how's the day going? How's the week going? Uh, sometimes uh, we might feel tempted to go to bat with our kids on a particular issue, but Maybe this day, this time isn't the right time, and we need to recognize that um, our kid may maybe didn't sleep well or has had a, had a rough result on a test, and and their mental state may not be ideal to have a conversation about an issue you, that they're struggling with around the house. Uh, so we just need to introduce some wisdom into the situation and recognize that maybe that conversation is best held another day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, but what does that mean for, like you mentioned, like rules? What does that mean with rules? Do you stay really true to your rules, or do you kind of bend them without telling this, the kids? Or how does that work? Well, let's take an example. 
um, very simple. When a, a child is a toddler, maybe um, you're out and about and, uh, you know, normally you have a certain set of rules about how they're supposed to behave. Yeah. Um, but you realize, hey, it's been a long day and yeah. I, I, I need to get through this this moment or this uh, experience that we're having. Yeah. And uh, you just have to be flexible in the moment and recognize that uh, sometimes you know, you're just trying to get through the day. Mm. Uh, but the original part of your question was rules and standards. I think as parents, what's important is that we we establish standards that are consistent for our family and for all of our kids. Yeah. Now, how we train, encourage, discipline our kids to reach that standard might vary mm-hmm. because kids have different temperaments, different personality traits. Yeah. Um, but what we learn through scripture is that the standards are the same for everyone. So as we train and teach, we we keep that the same. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's really good. Adapt to what the the kid is is leaning towards yep. in, in a way that's really good. Um, so what would, what would you guys say is the number one parenting skill during this season of, of the teenage years kind of transferring into actually the teenage years? What's the most, like the one important skill a parent needs to have? One most important skill is listening, mm. which I think is really um, a challenge for parents, especially in this busy life that we lead, because yeah. listening takes time. And um, I'm constantly even just telling my kids, don't formulate a thought while I'm talking. Listen to what I'm saying and then engage with me. And I need to do that, too. I struggle with that, too. I'm constantly always jumping ahead, not not taking the time to listen to what my kids are really yeah. t- saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think with that comes patience, right, Keith? Yeah, absolutely. Patience is a, is a huge part of the <laughs> parenting life from start to finish. Um, Which is like the toughest thing ever to be patient with your teens. Yes, it, <laughs> it, it can be difficult. But at the same time, uh, one thing we tell um, parents that are in our classes a lot is to try and be students of your kids. Observe them. That's watch good. what they do. What do they say? What questions do they ask? And try to really figure out what makes them tick so that you can use that to your advantage. And again, we, we've used the term meet them where they're at. That helps you do that because you're, you're understanding them. And, um, back to Susan's point, it takes time. It takes time to do that. Yeah. Uh, but we have to make time for that. It, it's gotta be a priority. Yeah. That's really good. I, I think a lot of times in, in life, when we, when we think about just any circumstance that we come into, we always want to make an answer right then. Yeah. Um, and I think when we see an issue with our teens, the first thing we want to do is try to fix what's going on. Yeah. And so many times I tell my volunteers this, um, when they come to me and ask me, Hey, wh- what do I do in this circumstance? And I'm like, the first thing you do is just nod your head yeah. <laughs> and say, man, that must be tough. Yeah. Or I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. Um, you know, th- just this other day I had a, a teenager sit with me on one of our couches in the, in the room and she was just crying and just shared her heart with me. And it was one of those things that I've been praying that she would feel safe enough to share things with me, but just never happened. This was been over two years, but somehow the Lord did something amazing and she just sat down and just talked to me and she expected me to judge her in so many different ways. But I just sat there and said, you know, 
God, God loves you, and I'm, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to, to tell you what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong. All I know is that you're loved and supported and welcomed. And I think yeah. a lot of times, uh, as parents, we've we want to jump to the okay, how can we fix our teen? Yes. Um, when that teen just needs to be like, oh, I can tell my parents how I feel, and they're not going to come back at me. Um, yeah, I think that's really important in those teenage years for sure. Um, but we talked about this idea of having rules when they're when they're younger. But how does that apply to teenage years? Like, do you still have rules? Do you have new rules? Do you kind of don't have rules anymore? How, how does how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the rules tend to morph because uh-huh. as you've established trust and their maturity is happening, hopefully. Um, you're going to let those boundaries out a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. you're going to allow them more freedom. Um, But this isn't the time to start bringing down the hammer and bringing in, you know, bringing all these boundaries in. You're wanting, you should be at this point, letting them out and establishing, you know, that trust relationship. I I think one of the things that parents have a hard time is allowing their children the freedom to fail. Mm, That's good. Yeah. Yeah, And, and, you um you're you're constantly telling your kids what to do but but when we're we're walking this life with them and they're in these teen years we want them to fail because they're there with us so we can kind of walk them through okay hey so what happened in that situation and did that work or could you have done it better or um once they get out of our house we're really not there to walk through these situations with them and to mm-hmm. help guide them and train them at that point yeah um, one of in one of our previous episodes of this podcast, Heather Johnson was was in with us, and she was talking about this idea that once once we get to the teenage years, the role as a parent really transfers into this idea of being like a like a mentor or like a coach rather than an actual parent. Would you guys agree with that statement? Yeah, we would. Uh, if you think about a child's life at birth through te- the teenage years, becoming an adult. When a child is born, you as the parent have absolute authority over that child, meeting every basic need, uh, controlling every choice and decision. And as that child grows and develops, there's a very slow, gradual transition that takes place where you're loosening your authority uh, role and you're taking up an influence role. Yeah. And that's influence. That's what good. really ties back to that preserving the relationship. Mm-hmm. As you move into the teen years, you want your kids uh, to have a sense that you're an influencer in their lives, and you only accomplish that through making those relational investments as they're developing and growing. Yeah. So that at the end of of the journey, when when your kids reach adulthood, then there's an opportunity for friendship, and that you would always have that influential role in your kids' lives. That's the goal. Yeah. Kind of this idea of of consistency throughout all of all of the years. So when they're younger you have a role and when they're when they're a teenager you still have the same role but it's it's different. But they know, yeah. hey, if you lie, like this is going to happen. Or right. if you, you know, break something, this is going to happen. We've set this standard right. since you were five years old. Exactly. So this right. shouldn't okay. be a you shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? Well you you know, <laughs> you you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah, so if can you guys talk to me about this idea of preserving the relationship and having the parent be um, mindful of their um, kind of thoughts and, and ideas, if that makes sense? 
Well, I think our posture as parents in the teen years is a posture of empathy that we want to try to understand and not only understand their current circumstances, but try to remember back to when we were their age and have a sense of, uh, you know, hey, I've walked through those experiences and, and here's how I felt and connect with them uh, with an empathetic tone around those situations. Uh, it's being willing to engage in a conversation with your kids where you might be apologizing for something and, and, and letting your kids know that you're not perfect. You know, it's not me, the good parent and you, the bad kid Mm -hmm. that we're all sinners saved by grace. And we're walking through this experience together. Yeah. Um, there's still those standards and, um, uh, and those rules that are applying to our household. But within that, there's an opportunity for us to say, Hey, I'm navigating this stuff too. Yeah. And I think that can really help reduce uh, the sense of uh, being an adversary mm-hmm. and more being someone who's alongside. We're all in this together. It's best high school musical quote that I say all <laughs> yeah. the time. The kids laugh, but it's so good. They were so right when they were using their basketballs and shooting and saying, we're all in this together. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, thank you, high school musical. Um, <laughs> but... I, I have noticed just kind of being your all three of your kids' youth pastors um, that you guys go on dates with your kids. Why do you do that? Well, basically, it's to to invest in that one child um, to meet them where they're at. They all have different likes and interests. And so mm-hmm. our goal is to, once again, preserve that relationship with them and just take some time out of our lives to— um, to just invest in them and to figure out what's what's going on in their what's going on in their brain and what you know are their emotions are they being met um, yeah um, finding what they like I mean so I know with Kyle when he was younger he loved to read books so that's so weird what I used to do is <laughs> you know we would read the trilogies together in the books and then we would make a big thing out of it and we'd go watch the movie together mm. when it would come out um uh, I would take the boys on the mother-son date night. Um, we go out mm. to dinner afterwards. Keith would, of course, would take McKenna to the dance, um, father-daughter dance, and really enjoyed that. But we try to um, set time aside for them. Uh, I know with me homeschooling, uh, the kids, it's hard for me because I'm constantly around all three kids in juggling that. And yeah. as the years have gone by, I've pulled Kyle aside and said, hey, let's go, let's go out and get some coffee Let's kind of work on your schoolwork or figure out what your game plan is and just kind of pull each other one aside individually and do that. With Kenna, it's easy because she likes to shop. So, and I love to shop. So, we can <laughs> always do that. It, for me, I have to be a little bit more intentional with my boys yeah. of setting time aside for them. What have you found to be so beneficial from these times where you've taken your kids out one on one? Like, what have you found? Well, I think what we found is. It, it opens the door for conversations that you maybe wouldn't otherwise have. You know, if you're in a household where you've got a few kids, uh, there's always the 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 expectation that you're sort of sharing, that you're uh, in the midst of the family routine. And, and one-on-one dates is an opportunity to, to pull yourselves out of that routine and just be together. Mm. And it yeah. just sort of opens a window for you, you to ask questions for them to to describe how they're feeling and thinking and you know just 
talk about dreams and hey, what's going on with your walk with the Lord and yeah, and and just be able to not only hear from them, but then also you know chime in with a little wisdom and and hey, here's what I'm what I'm thinking about and and it's it's life sharing. It's a life sharing opportunity. Yeah, and when you're you're doing something that they're interested in, they they're predisposed to just be in a positive state of mind. They're receptive. I think one of the most important things that uh, we need to do as parents is is that we parent in non-conflict times. A lot of times we're we're mm. trying to deal with conflict or problems. Yeah. Um, some of our most effective parenting takes place when we're not in the heat of the moment, when we're just out together and we're observing the world around us, or we're we're asking ourselves some interesting questions, and we can speak some wisdom into those moments. Uh, those can be transformational experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and I not even found as hanging out with teenagers as much, as much as I do. When you take a teen out to grab coffee or, you know, get a donut or or pick them up from school, that that driver that sit down for 30 minutes, a lot of times they don't get that one-on-one time ever. Yep. They go to school and they're in a class of 20 plus, right? Yep. They don't get the specific attention from a from a teacher. Um, and it's, it's sometimes the parent's job and sometimes the, the youth pastor or youth leader's job to take that student out one-on-one and be like, hey, what are you thinking? What does this, how does this make you feel? Because I think a lot of times when you're around a lot of people your own age, especially teenagers, they rely on that really outspoken student to, to talk a lot yes. and they don't actually really start to articulate what they mean until somebody like their parents sits them down and is like, what do you feel about this situation or how yeah. are you feeling right now or how school work's going? Um, I think that's that's really good. I think if you're listening to this podcast, I really would encourage you to take your kids out on a date, a daddy-daughter date, a mommy-son date, whatever. It sounds weird, but it's really good. Well, yeah. and, and by the teen years, you should know what their love language is by mm, then. Yeah. And that that's where you're meeting them where they're at. So if yeah. your child is quality time, taking them out on a one-on-one date is going to also feed their love language yeah. while you're also working on something, maybe maybe parenting on an issue that you've seen and in, in talking to them about that. Mm-hmm. And speaking of love languages, um, I think uh, some kids have a love language of physical touch and closeness that parents maybe sometimes step away from when they move into the teen years. The, the kids are developing. It feels kind of awkward. But I would say, say that in those years, it's really crucial that we hug our kids yeah, and that they feel close to us physically, mm-hmm. uh, that they have someone to, to receive physical love from during those teen years because th- they feel the same awkwardness. And if we can just be always welcoming and open, open to them physically um, and back to that hugging tradition for our family, mm-hmm. um, teen, teens often will look for that sense of validation through physical touch yeah. with others if they're not getting it from their parents. And we want, Interesting. We want to be uh, the place they come to for that. Yeah. That's a really good point, Keith. I really like that. So as we were kind of wrapping up the, this episode, um, can you guys just tell me a little bit more about um, as, as parents, how do we deal with the emotions of a teenager? How, how do we deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't match it. That's for sure. Um, Mm. that's, um, that's, that's probably the most difficult thing for parents is if your child's upset, that's when you want to stay the most calm 
happiest you've ever been in your entire life. Um, and, and I think a lot of that happens to do with don't parent in conflict times. Get through the moment as best as possible and then think about it, pray about it, and then come back and deal with it um, in a non-conflict time in a, in a better way that you can handle that situation. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. I think sometimes when we get into discussions or arguments with our, with our teens, there's a, there's a sense of escalation that can take place. And that's what we need to avoid. We don't want to be part of escalating the situation into an emotional outburst and, and mm-hmm. matching their emotional level. It's, it's almost like as difficult as this can be, um, try to train yourself to recognize that as they're escalating their emotional level, you're actually dropping your emotional level and becoming more uh, steady and more uh, neutral yeah, uh, and understanding and communicating the facts of the situation and trying to make it less personal. Um, and and that's another element of, of this um, this type of situation where the kid's emotional. It's typically not personal to the parent. And we should not be taking the situation personally. Their hor- hormones are going crazy. Uh, they're, yeah. they're emotionally charged. Yeah. Situations that we think are you know, relatively um, unimportant yeah. are incredibly important to them because that's where they are as a teen. Their world is um, is really driven by the situations they're dealing with maybe at school or through mm-hmm. activities or relationships they're engaged in. And we need to appreciate that that's important to them, but at the same time uh, not get drawn into that that emotional uh, level that they might be uh, might be at. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's really good. Um, I think the one thing that I want to stress is that your goal as a parent is to pursue your kids. Mm. When they're pushing you away, that's when you need to press in more. Um, yeah. And don't don't just okay. Well, they don't have a relationship with me, so now I'm back in. I'm out of this. You yeah. know that we need to keep pressing in and pursuing because our influence. If you lose that influence, you're, the only thing you have right now is influence on your yeah. teen year, on your teen child. You don't have you don't have authority anymore. We yeah. have an 18 year old now. He can walk out of our house anytime he wants to. What keeps him coming back to us is our influence and our relationship with him. And now we're leading more for our influence. He's coming to us and asking us questions and yeah. kind of figuring it out on his own. And then, but then he's making his own decisions. That's really so, good. It's an important piece. Yeah, and I think Absolutely. parents tend to 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 go ahead and obey the rules that their kids are setting and I'm not uh-huh. sure if that's correct. I think you you still need to pursue them. You need to have boundaries, but you do need to pursue. It's you need to cross that bridge to get to your kid. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's that's really good. Well, thank you for uh, listening to Engaging Parenting. Uh, Both Keith and Susan will be with us for our next episode. We're going to be talking about monologue versus dialogue. So please stay tuned to that, and we will talk with you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Parenting Podcast, hosted by Pastor Matt Bach and Pastor Cliff Woodward, presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. For more information about Bridgeway and other content, visit bridgeway.church.